Our scripture reading this morning is taken from the book of Judges. Chapter 16 and verse 28. Judges 16, verse 28. In your pew Bibles, you can find this passage on page 234. Judges 16, verse 28. Then Samson called to the Lord, saying, O Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray, just this once, O God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. Step one, get up the steps without tripping. Nailed it. So, good morning. <clears throat> I'm so excited to be here this morning. I always love getting to come and speak uh, for my family here at Mount Juliet and, and deliver some of God's word to y'all. Um, this is actually the first time I've ever presented a full-length sermon. Um, so, I'm really excited and I'm also really nervous. And at this point, I'm also really hungry. So, I'll try not to keep you too long. Uh, first, I owe a huge thank you to the elders here at Mount Juliet um, for, for this opportunity, first of all, and second of all, for the tremendous support that I've been given over the past four years at Freed Hardeman University. Uh, I've loved all four years of it, and I can't believe I'm graduating in May. Um, at this point in my head, I kind of have the, as we go on, we remember. That's kind of just going over and over in my head. At the same time, I'm like, hurry up and get me out of here. So, but it's been awesome, and I've loved it. And I thank the elders so much for the support that, I've been, that we've all been given. From the day you were born, you, you had boundaries around your life. When you were born in the hospital, you were probably in like the little fish tank looking thing. And then when you were home, your parents put you in a crib. Uh, then you had a playpen once you graduated from the crib uh, so your parents could keep an eye on you and you not get all over the place and then fill it with toys and make it look fun, but you're actually in jail. Um, but the boundaries didn't stop when you were a kid, did they? Oh, no, you had bedtimes, you had curfews, and you have speed limits, things like that. And no matter how old you get, you're always going to have boundaries in your life. There's always boundaries set before you in this world for a lot of different reasons. And as Christians, we have our own boundaries that God has placed on us. Now, hold on to that thought uh, because we're going to come back to it later. Some of you may have seen the bulletin and noticed that my sermon was titled The Samson Syndrome. Uh, you can probably figure out who we're going to be talking about today, uh, Samson. Uh, but the syndrome part, Samson Syndrome, is probably the part that you don't know about. We're going to get to that, but I don't want to spoil the surprise. Let's first talk a little bit about Samson. Samson is probably one of the most well-known Old Testament characters, especially among little kids. You know, he's a young guy, good-looking, big muscles, great hair. Um, no, the lesson's not about me, uh, but it is about Samson. But really, by today's standards, Samson would be, he would be absolutely incredible. All-star athlete. If you were picking teams, you'd want to pick him first every single time, no doubt about it. But most of them know him by these features, and they know that, you know, he got involved with Delilah and he cut his hair, and then he died and killed a bunch of people with him. But there's so much more to Samson's story and Samson's life that we often overlook so much. His story is found in Judges 13 through 16. If you'll turn to 
the book of Judges, chapters 13 through 16. We'll just be referencing a couple verses. If you've never read through this entire story before, at least lately, uh, I highly recommend that you go back and do it. And I know every time I read it, I get something else out of it, and I notice something that I never noticed before. And preparing for this lesson was certainly the case. First of all, Samson was meant to be a judge. That's why he's in the book of Judges. Now, the judges were a group of people, or a series of people, rather, that were sent by God to the Israelites to, to free them from their captivity. Uh, it's a common theme throughout the Bible where we see the Israelites falling away from God and overstepping their boundaries that God set before them. They do it over and over and over again. You'd think they would eventually learn, but they don't. So they get into these situations. They're held in captivity by different groups, and God sends them a judge to try to free them and get them back on the right track. Well, Samson was one of those judges. In his case, the Israelites were under control of the Philistines, and it was his job to be able to do it. Supposed to, but unfortunately, that's not what happened. So let's take a look at what went wrong. Uh, Judges 13 opens up with a woman. Uh, she was told she could not have kids. But then an angel of the Lord comes to her and tells her that she's going to have a son. And in Judges 13, verse 5, it says, For behold, you shall, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor, no razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. Now, we're going to talk about the Nazarite vow for just a second. I don't know how many of you know much about the Nazarite vow, um, but it's actually relatively simple. Uh, there's two reasons why the vow was unusual for Samson, first of all. The first one being that, uh, well, in number six, it details the Nazarite vow, but I'm just going to give you a quick overview of it. Usually, the Nazarite vow was taken voluntarily and only for a certain amount of time. You would decide when and how long you wanted to take this vow for, and the three rules you had to follow were, the first one, you can't come into contact with any dead animals people or animals, except those that were clean for eating. Second of all, you should drink no fruit of the vine, so no alcohol, nothing like that. The third rule of the Nazarite vow, third rule, third rule, is that you could not cut your hair. No razor shall touch your head. Well, the first two things we pointed out, the fact that it was voluntary and only for a certain amount of time, didn't apply to Samson. Normally it would, not in his case. We see the angel told his mother that he would be a Nazarite from the womb until the end of his days. So that's unusual about that. And these three rules that we talked about of the Nazarite vow, Samson would come to break all three of them. In chapter 14, verses 5 through 9, it tells the story of Samson killing a lion with his bare hands. And then later on, when he passes the dead lion carcass again, a bunch of bees had made a hive inside of it, so he scooped out the honey and ate it. Well, there's strike one. He came into contact with a dead animal that was not clean for eating. Then in verse 10 of the same chapter, it says that Samson prepared a feast uh, for the wedding that he was going to, he was going to be marrying a Philistine woman. Um, and he prepares a feast. And in the Hebrew, in the Hebrew language, the word that is used here for the word feast actually specifically refers to a feast that would serve alcohol. Well, there's strike number two. He was drinking alcohol. <clears throat> then in chapter 16, towards the end, two women and a whole lot of dead men later, we come to the part of the story that most people know so well. Samson gets involved with Delilah. She tries to trick him over and over again 
to tell her the secret of his strength. And he finally breaks down and tells her that if he cuts his hair, then his strength will leave him. So, in verse 19, we see the famous haircut. Uh, she gets him to fall asleep, and another man comes in, cuts his hair. There's strike three. Strength's gone. Suddenly, Samson is left helpless. And it says that Samson did not know that the Lord had left him. Next thing you know, his eyes are gouged out, and he's chained to some pillars and forced to entertain the very people he was supposed to have defeated. Samson was supposed to lead the people of Israel out of captivity and free them from the oppressive Philistines, and instead, he's sitting there chained up, uh, forced to entertain those people. And it's all because he overstepped those boundaries. You see, boundaries are important. Boundaries keep us safe. You put your baby in a crib because you don't want it to fall on the floor. You don't want it to roll out of bed. You obey the speed limit because you don't want to get in a wreck and hurt or, or worse. See, boundaries keep us in check because a lot of times as human beings, we can't keep ourselves in check. We have a lot of trouble doing what we need to do without some sort of boundaries. Enter the Samson Syndrome. Uh, this semester, I'm interning at Crosswinds Church of Christ in Jackson, Tennessee, uh, technically three-way Tennessee between Jackson and Humboldt. Uh, but on Wednesdays, I teach the high school guys class. And this semester, we've been studying from a book called The Samson Syndrome. And basically, uh, it's written by a guy called Mark Atterbury, if you want to check it out. Samson Syndrome, Mark Atterbury. Uh, it's a fantastic book. And basically, what The Samson Syndrome is, is it explains why strong Christians fail. It takes different parts of Samson's life and it breaks them down and shows you how we, as Christians and as human beings, fall into those same traps time after time after time. And the first, and I believe one of the biggest ones that he mentions in the book, is overstepping your boundaries. And Samson certainly did that. God knew how much power Samson was going to have. God knew the purpose he had for Samson. He knew the strength he was going to have. He knew the influence that Samson could have over these people. So God put these Nazarite boundaries around him to try to keep him in check. And we saw what happened when Samson decided not to play along and go by his own rules and overstep those boundaries. We've also been given a great responsibility by God. Each and every one of us from birth has been given a challenge in this life. We're supposed to grow, we're supposed to come to know God, we're supposed to become Christians, and we're supposed to live lives that will help others fulfill that purpose that God set for them. Everybody in this room, everybody walking around town right now, all the babies being born in the hospital, God has the same plan for all of us. He wants all of us to come to know Him and to come and be Christians and live with Him in heaven one day. So God puts boundaries around us because He knows that we need them. And they're all found right here in this book. Every single one of them. But overstepping these boundaries can get us into major trouble. First it starts with, oh you know, it's just this one time or it's just this one drink or it's just this one website. But soon we find ourselves shackled in our sins just like Samson was. 
maybe not literally, I guess it depends on what you do. Uh, you could end up in jail. But figuratively speaking, we get shackled by our sins. On July 6, 1999, 27-year-old Daniel Dukes went to SeaWorld. By day, he just looked like any other visitor, just going to enjoy a day at the park. Uh, but at nighttime, that's when things got interesting. You see, when all the other visitors were leaving the park for closing time, Daniel decided to stay back and hide. Once everybody was gone, he decided he wanted to go for a swim with one of the show whales there at the park. So he goes to the tank, he folds up his clothes and sets them next to the tank, and he jumps in the water. After that, nobody's really sure exactly what happened. They don't know if he had startled the whale um, and it drug him under because it was scared, or if he thought he was a toy, uh, like some of the other people that come and swim with him, and they held him under just a little too long. But they do know that when the workers showed up the next day, Daniel was, was lying dead in the pool with the whale. You see, just like Daniel, it starts with us just wanting to have a little bit of fun. Just wanting to break out just a little bit, just tiptoe right outside that boundary, but not stay for too long. And soon we find ourselves wrapped up in chains of sin by Satan. He sucks us under and he keeps us there as long as he possibly can. But not only will you end up shackled, but you can also end up shamed like Samson. Think of Samson being chained up and paraded around the people to make fun of him. To know how much power you had, know how much of an impact you could have had on your people, to be standing there, think of how shameful that had to have been for him. Now for you, it may be public. Some people could find out, you know, what you've been doing. But for a lot of us, the shame we feel is on the inside. When you've overstepped your boundaries and you know you've grown away from God, looking at just how far you've gotten, on the inside, your shame is, is enough. And whether it's public or private, God knows what you're doing. God knows how far away you're getting. Zephaniah 1.12 says, I will search with lanterns the darkest corners to find and punish those who sit complacent, indifferent to the Lord, thinking He will do nothing at all to them. So we overstep our boundaries and we're stuck in our sin and we don't know what to do. But the beautiful thing about God is that there's hope. And there's a way out. There's always a way out when you decide to turn to God. And there's four things that I want to suggest to you today that can help you get back in the boundaries of God. First of all, if you found yourself outside the boundaries God has set for you, remember what it was like to live within God's boundaries. Now, for, for different people, that might be a different time. It might have been a retreat. It might have been church camp. It might have been a devo. Or it might have just been a time in your life that you remember nothing can go wrong. I know I've had those times in my life, and they're incredible. Nothing that happens in your life, whether it's good or bad, you can handle anything that's coming at you because you know that God is right there with you to have your back. It's an absolutely incredible feeling. So if you're outside your boundaries, remember what it was like to live in those boundaries in the first place. Second, you have to get away from the things that lured you away. If a group of friends is tempting you, get rid of them. If you're part of an activity or a group that causes you to do things or tempts you to do things that you know are not inside God's boundaries for you, get rid of them. 
Because, no, because nothing on this earth is more important than your relationship with God. No matter how fun it seems, no matter how, how little you think it will impact your spiritual life, if it's not bringing you closer to God, it's going to pull you away from, away from God. And you need to surround yourself with people that are going to do that. So first, remember what it was like to be in God's circle. And second, get away from the things that lured you away. The third thing is rebuild the fences that you tore down. Rebuild those boundaries. Um, Friday afternoon, I was driving home, and I was driving down 22A towards Lexington. And I saw all these houses that had just been completely ripped apart by the storms last week or a couple weeks ago. And I just could not believe the difference. Because in Henderson, there wasn't much damage right around the school area. And I hadn't left campus, so I hadn't seen it. And then I get just 10 miles down the road, and it's just destruction. Houses are ripped apart. There's tarps over houses where their roofs collapsed or were missing or had holes. I saw a, a blue VW Beetle, like, crunched into a, into a thing of trees, like where it had been pushed. It was incredible. And it's going to take those people a whole lot longer to rebuild their houses it's going to take them a whole lot longer to rebuild the destruction than it, than it took that storm to tear it down. But they can't give up. They can't just go with a broken house. They have to rebuild and they have to have help. Just like we do. <clears throat> rebuilding these fences is often going to be the hardest part of rebuilding your relationship with God. Get back to the things that draw you close to God. Get back to church services, devos, service projects. All those kind of things. Do anything you possibly can to build your relationship with God. And the final and most exciting step is one of the most beautiful things in the world to me. And that's to remember that God is a God of grace and mercy. People in this world aren't always quick to forgive. When you mess up in your life, when you overstep your boundaries, there's going to be people that aren't going to want to forgive you very quickly. It's hard to forgive sometimes. But God's not. God is always willing to welcome you back home with open arms. We see this very plainly stated in the parable of the prodigal son where the son runs away from home and just spends his inheritance and does all these horrible things. And then he comes home and instead of scolding him, his father welcomes him with open arms and throws him a party. And guys, that's God. That's exactly what God does. 1 John 9 says that if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from every wrong. That's absolutely incredible. To know that no matter what we do in our lives, if we confess our sins to God, He's going to wipe it all away. So today, some of you may find yourselves shackled by your sins, and you need help. Um, whether you need to come forward and ask for prayers of the church or if you'd like to make the decision to give your life to Christ so that He can wash you clean in baptism, if you'd like to know what it's like to live inside that boundary of God, we'd love to study with you. We'd love to help you in any way that we can. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
It doesn't really get any more beautiful than that. Let's let those words sink in. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If there's any way that we can help you today, please come as we stand and sing.